Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Thanks, Marie, and thank you, everyone, for joining us on today's podcast. This week, Rick and I are going to wrap up our discussion of his last message in his latest series, Happy. And you can find more information about this series, as well as stream all of the other messages in this series on your device by pointing your browser to roswellgrace.com and click on the Watch tab. And you can also find more information in the links below. So, Rick, before we talk about Sunday's message, could you remind us of those six mile markers that you call them of happy? Absolutely. Uh, Six mile markers on the road to a place called happy. We looked at accept one another, bear with one another, Mm -hmm. serve one another, forgive one another, carry one another's burdens, and then Sunday, the final one, love one another. Now, they all focus on the Bible's one another verses. Your series hinges on, if I can put it this way, God's economy of blessing, and that it is impossible to find happiness if we center on ourselves. Is that right? Yeah, and I love your phrase, God's economy of blessing. That is exactly what Jesus said when he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. The word blessed is the word happy. Hmm. True happiness comes not in getting, like the world says, but rather in giving. Mm -hmm. It's the great paradox but it is true. Wow. That, that's the funny thing about it is that I, I think everybody knows that that's the right thing to do, but it really is the hard thing to do. Our selfish nature <laughs> is pulling the other direction. It says, but what about me? What yeah. about my needs, my wants, me, me, me? That's right. There's, that's right. The, there's the challenge. Me, me, me. And you're not trying to warm up your voice. This week you put the spotlight quite timely since this past Sunday was Valentine's Day on love one another. Uh, as, as I was just saying, that it's quite a stretch because some people can be quite unlovable. I think it was Mark Twain that said, the more I learn about people, the more I like my dog. Uh, but you said something that really doesn't make sense in this world, that real love is acting in another person's best interests regardless of how we feel. How can we do that in a world where our feelings, well, they constantly d- direct our focus Uh, of our intentions, whether they're benevolent or vindictive. Uh, We know that love is not a feeling, I mean, as a true statement, but but isn't it? I think part of the confusion, Sean, comes with a a limitation in the English language. We, We use the word love like this. We say, oh, I love my wife. I love baseball and I love hot dogs. Mm -hmm. We, We put too much weight on that word and it the, the end result is it waters down the word love. Mm. The Greeks were smarter, and, and they had different love words to describe different aspects of love. For example, they, the Greek word eros was more of the romantic love. Uh, storge was another Greek word. Storge had to do with family love. Uh, the word you probably heard, phileo, the mm-hmm. word phileo, Philadelphia, brotherly love. And then the special word, agape. Agape love is the word that is used in these verses when it says we are to love one another. And the word agape simply means acting in another person's best interest 
regardless of how you feel. Mm. And so here, agape has nothing to do with your feelings for the other person. It is a choice and a decision of the will, not the area of feeling. So you use Paul's relationship with the Ephesian elders as a backdrop. And I think that, that if, as, as people read uh, Acts chapter 19 and 20, um, they will see that. They will see his, his, um, um, his unselfish love that he gave and gave and gave to the Ephesians. But who are these elders? And by the way, why are they called elders? And, and what kind of history did they share together? Sean, I've had the privilege of planting two churches, and I can tell you that there is an incredible bond that is made with leaders who help plant a church. Mm. Those charter members, but especially the charter leaders, you you go through so many challenges and difficult decisions, and and when you come out the other end and you have laid the foundation and you planted a church. Uh, those leaders are friends forever. Hmm. We have to remember, Paul was the one who planted the church in Ephesus. Uh, he spent three years. That was a long time for Paul to stay anywhere because he was, you know, I got things to do, places to go, people to meet type of guy. Yeah. He invested three years in this church. He built strong bonds with these elders. The elders tended to be the older men in the church. Uh, hopefully they were the wiser and because of that, Paul worked very, very closely with these men. And, and the bond, the love bond that you see in Acts 20, when Paul makes this final speech to these guys, and he said, guys, man, I love you. I, I may never see you again. Wow. The, uh, the emotion is, is uh, rich at the end of, that, uh, of chapter 20 when you see how much they loved each other. Mm, mm. So there was a lot of shared experiences, and I imagine both terrific and terrifying. I think about the uh, the riot that happened uh, in Ephesus, but but I think that maybe sometimes we, we romanticize the experiences of people in the New Testament. Uh, what we don't read are perhaps the unspoken things that Luke, the writer, maybe didn't have time for. Um, when I think about Paul, I imagine that he was a very strong and assertive character. And it would seem to me that these elders were not just yes men. He didn't appoint just people that would kind of do whatever he said uh, without thinking about it. But uh, but that he would choose men that would would have the gumption to even disagree with them at times. Would that be a stretch? Oh, I don't think so at all. Again, having planted a couple of churches uh, when you're in leadership meetings and you're having to make difficult decisions, it's, there's not always perfect agreement. Mm -hmm. And different people have different ideas and different options that they're throwing on the table. I can tell you that the leaders I've worked with in the past were, were not yes men or yes women. Mm -hmm. uh, they, were, they were strong leaders in and of themselves. And when, when you create this, uh, this atmosphere of love, it actually liberates people to share their opinions and to disagree, but to do it in an agreeable way, that you can speak the truth in love. As Paul said in another passage, I'm quite convinced, especially when you read Paul's speech to these men, uh, he's, he's speaking directly to them, and he's not candy-coating anything. Uh, he's giving them a major challenge. So 
This is speaking the truth in love. Yeah. I know that at Grace, we don't have elders, we have deacons, but I know that you've told me that, you know, these, these men, they're smart, they're smart people. And they were chosen because they were smart people. And they will, they'll, they'll think outside the box that, that, cause you don't have all the answers. Oh, absolutely not. And a wise pastor will make sure he listens carefully uh, to the wisdom of elders, yeah. men, women who are older and have a lot of life experience. So I think I think that 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 that's a, and I look at the uh, at just our deacon board and I think about um, the elders that he chose. That boy, having that 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 attitude of love of loving each other, serving each other, that was an important part. And really, as I think about it, is that the part? Is that part of the key in loving each other? Just serving each other. I think so. And the the focus must always be. What is our ultimate goal? Mm-hmm. What are we working together toward? Once we realize that we have a common goal in, in planting a church, in growing a church, in reaching unchurched people for Christ, as long as we can keep our eye on the goal, mm-hmm. then maybe some of our pet peeves and our pet ideas and our self-interest things they they suddenly shrink in importance when we remember. Oh, here's our ultimate goal. Right, right. Well, that begs a couple of questions for me. How, how do we distinguish between what is a person's best interest and what is in our, or I should say, my best interest for their interest? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I certainly do. All you have to do is become a parent, <laughs> and this becomes very evident because you, really, as a parent, you want the best for your child. But very often, you're convinced that you know what the best thing for your child is. And right. <laughs> so often, you know, we can fall into the trap of living vicariously through our children and fall into the old trap of, uh, hey, God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> we have to be careful. And, Sean, the only, the only hope, and I'm not saying this is easy, is to be more self-aware. We have to be self-aware. We have to look at ourselves and say, am I projecting my desires, my goals, my interest on my children or, or significant people that I love or people that I lead? Or am I really saying what is in their best interest? And this is why love, agape love, will challenge you for the rest of your life. Mm. It'll be the greatest challenge you ever face, I'm convinced, loving wow. people. I think now of, of how important that attitude of humility was because I, I think uh, that, uh, that that lends to the issue of of, of being aware of the of, of the blind spots that we have. You know, I, I wish that I recently drove a vehicle that had this blind spot radar, and um, it would alert me um, to another vehicle that was in the third quarter of where I couldn't see. And uh, so I, th- I thought, man, I wish, I wish there was a, a blind spot detector uh, for my life as a disciple. I mean, is there something that's like that? Yeah, this, that's the value of a plurality of leaders. Mm. If a person tries to lead alone, they have blind spots. The goal of having plurality of leaders, and that's why the Bible is very clear that churches are to be led by leaders, plural, not leader, that you you cover one another's blind spots. And Sean, there's things I don't see, and I need other people, other pastors on our staff, 
uh, deacons to speak truth and say, hey, you got to consider this. What about this? Yeah. That's why leaders must be humble. Mm, okay. Now, speaking of humility, you said that that was a key ingredient to the potency of his investment uh, in the Ephesians' lives. Are there habits that we can build, or is there an ethos or an attitude that keeps us on the humble track? We, we've got to continue to grow in humility, and I, I believe humility is a is a habit that is best developed daily. Hmm. Sean, we just need to begin every day reminding us that there is a God and I am not him. Everything I have is a gift from God. Once we realize that that we're just servants, we're all in this together, we're mm-hmm. serving, everything I have is a gift from God, that will help keep us humble. And humble leaders are the effective leaders in the world. Hmm. Now, Rick, at the, at the risk of, of redundancy, let me ask this question again. Is it possible to be a biblical disciple uh, or experience happiness the way God does if I exist in isolation or build up walls, whether intentionally or unintentionally, so that I avoid the complexities of fellowship? Sean, there is no way that I can understand that you can obey these one another commands, and they are, they're not suggestions. These are biblical commands from God. You, you have to have others if you're going to obey the one another commands. You right. cannot obey these in isolation. They require people. The challenge is, you know, uh, the old Peanuts cartoon strip said it well when Charlie Brown said, I love the world, it's people I can't stand. <laughs> we have to realize that those people are the ones who are going to help us grow and mature yeah. as human beings. And God knows that. He knows that we grow not in isolation, but in fellowship. You know, I, I can't help but think that our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he gave us this command and this, this truth when he said, My command is this, that you love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do what I command. I mean, it, it sounds trite or sentimental, but it, it really seems to boil down to loving each other, doesn't it? This is the great Christian paradox, and hmm. it's true. The selfish person pursues happiness and thinks he's going to get it by getting, ends up missing happiness. The, the loving person who actually seeks the happiness of others ends up finding true happiness. Wow, so learn to love each other. That's There's the most the important thing that I can do today. Rick, when you, when you started talking about our own funerals and how that was uh, an inspiration for your book title, I think it's odd how we avoid the topic of death because it really is a basic human experience. Um, anybody that's listening right now, they're going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. It's just something that's going to happen. Thinking about it less doesn't make it less real. Is it maudlin or out of place to wonder, what do I want people to think about at my funeral? Uh, should we make it conspicuous that this was our intention? Yeah, I, I think it can be a, actually a very valuable experience. Now, it can be a very self-centered experience if we think, oh, I want to make sure I get someone to do my eulogy, who's really going to say flowery <laughs> lies about me. It can be selfish. Right. But, Sean, it can also be a very valuable experience. Let me, let me illustrate. This last weekend was the running of the Daytona 500 NASCAR. If you've ever watched any NASCAR, 
a part of every race is the pit stop. Mm. Now think, what is a pit stop? The car comes in and they evaluate where they have been the last few trips around the track. They say, what's working, what isn't? They evaluate it, they tweak, they make adjustments, and then they get back on the road. Now, what do they always remember? The finish line. Mm -hmm. Every adjustment is to get them to the finish line. Sean, if we think about our own funeral, what is that? That's our finish line. There's a great value found in self-evaluation pit stops. And what do we do? We think about the end. We think about the finish line. We think, okay, what's my funeral? What are people going to honestly be able to say? And that allows us to, uh, to to make any adjustments that we need to make and to see where are we doing it right, where are we doing it wrong, make those adjustments, and then we get back on the track. Wow. Well, well for me to be happy, I can uh, look back and make all these adjustments. And so, Rick, this is a great series. Thank you so much for taking us through this and for spending time with me. Um, hey, what else can we look forward to here at Grace? Hey, this Sunday, I'm very excited. Our student pastor, Chris Van Dyke, is going to be delivering the message. Mm. He's going to be talking about worldview, the topic of worldview, mm. and why that is so important in a Christian's life in our culture today. Wow. Okay. And, and then I'm excited. Uh, the next week, February 28th, I'm beginning a new series that I've been working on called Raising the Bar. We're going to look for five weeks, we're going to look at five insights, kind of some summary statements in the book of Colossians, which is a fascinating letter written by Paul. And each one of these summary statements are designed to help us to grow and mature as Christ's followers. So we're going to raise the bar in our devotion and commitment. Fantastic. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.